Welcome to Creative Mind Soul Sessions with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind. Explore personal growth with us through Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience in a deep but practical way. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Soul Sessions with Deborah and Rob and Creative Mind. How yeah, are you today, Rob? Good, good. And we're talking about uh, one of our favorite topics. Mm, psychology. <laughs> uh, but in particular about um, cognitive therapy mm-hmm. and cognitive theory. Mm-hmm. As Most people know it as uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT. And in coaching, CBC, which mm. is cognitive behavioral coaching. And this is a part of our series on the psychology of life coaching. And mm. I begged Rob to do this series because when I was trained as a hypnotherapist, I mean, we kind of got a really quick overview of psychology, not that deep. And uh, we learned it was very technique focused. And when I met Rob, it was really uh, I mean, so many, he has so much knowledge. I mean, been, you're a psychologist. So the this... Um, Tell me more. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. No, the knowledge <laughs> that uh, is not out in the mainstream that you can't really see on, you know, out in the public, you, um, you're you not aware of. And just how to think about psychology and the research. And so over the years, I've been picking Rob's brain for, what, 15 years now, 17 years. And it's all about this... Um, you know, how does this fit into this model? And what what are people doing when they're saying this term? And what does this term mean? And um, and I just think it's so, if you're into personal development and or a coach or, or some kind of service provider and you want to do retreats or help people grow, I think mm. it's really important for you to have some basic knowledge of psychology, which is not taught in a lot of trainings. It's uh, You basically get more techniques. And so... That's what this is about, is helping you understand what the heck you're doing. I, quick story about cognitive behavioral. I didn't even know what that was, but I wrote a book called Let Love In, which was basically based on cognitive behavioral, you think, feel, and act. You mm-hmm. know, you change. And someone did a review on my book, and she said, this is a great um, overview of the cognitive <laughs> behavioral theory. And I said, oh, I didn't even know I was using a, that in a psychological theory. So... Well, that, that's one of the hallmarks of the theory is that it's very practical. Yeah. It's, it's essentially what your grandmother would tell you. Yes. You know, don't if you're doing something wrong, don't do that anymore. It kind of makes logical sense. Yeah. It's a very logical uh, deduction, reductionistic mm. kind of model. Uh, and so it worked really well for me and helping me, you know, understand, you know, just the mechanisms of conditioning. But... Um, we're going to talk about that today, and I just yes. thought I wanted to share that. That was, it was so funny; I didn't even know. But then I noticed, you know, different teachers. A lot of people use that model: think positive, do a vision board. So uh, let's start with what is it before I get ahead of myself with my stories. Uh, yeah. So how would you define it? Well, let's let's review. So because we started with Freud and started talking about psychodynamic models, which is really the hallmark of a good psychodynamic model is that it takes into account the unconscious mind mm. or the subconscious, as some sometimes it's called. 
and then we went into hypnosis, which are psychodynamic techniques mm-hmm. uh, and meditation, visualization. Uh, but then we went to the op- opposite end of the spectrum with behaviorism, mm-hmm. which really reduced behavior down to what's observable. Yes. And um, so externally. And, and for a long time, they were very dominant in American psychology. Mm-hmm. And they made everybody's lives miserable <laughs> because you couldn't talk about thoughts, uh, motivation, dreams, desires. It was all down to there's a stimulus, something in the environment is stimulating you, and what is the response that you give to that stimulation? Isn't the early like uh, the early psychology or the, how they worked with like mentally ill people was very mechanical, like putting them in, shocking them, or putting them in, um, you know, uh, frozen baths? Is is that kind of that same thing? Is like if I put them in a different environment, the behavior, you know, something's going to change for the uh, person? I think that was before even uh, Freud, oh, okay. where. Uh, people were just trying all kinds of things. <laughs> they know what things. to do. Yeah, Measuring their head, that maybe their skull is a certain size. Dunking them in cold water yeah. and all okay. that stuff. All uh, right. But, but the, so there was a problem with that model of uh, stimul- stimulus response mm-hmm. because there wasn't anything in the middle, meaning what's going on in your head. And mm-hmm. we all know uh, just intuitively we're thinking through stuff right mm-hmm. it makes us feel a certain way mm-hmm. and then we we respond so that middle piece right there's a stimulus there's an internal reaction a process uh, a mental process then we emit the behavior mm. so it's before they we took out the cognitive part that the person isn't thinking or feeling it's they're just behaving yeah and now we add the cognitive behavior which is that your thoughts and feelings create your behavior and a lot of people didn't uh, like from just from a ordinary human being we were not taught to think about our or notice our thoughts even growing up in school it's all about behavior about changing um you know what you do study and and thinking is more memorizing versus inquiring uh feelings weren't really talked about in school so we, we really yeah. we think that everything that we get in life is like luck or uh, maybe there's a spiritual uh, answer to why bad things happen to good people. And so we're not, we, don't, we don't realize um, how the thinking involves. And um, when I was about, I think, 24, um, someone gave me the book, You Can Heal Your Life. And the woman, the first thing she said is, your thoughts create your life. And I said, oh, I thought God created my life. Like I had no idea that I my thoughts had any power, and so that's really that. Based on that theory, that your thoughts can create your life. That your thoughts lead to feeling, and then the feeling leads to an action. Yeah, I mean, in in a simp- in its simplest form, you can think in those terms. Mm-hmm. That cognitive uh, behavioral theory is talking about. Your thoughts, mm-hmm. your feelings, uh, and the behaviors, mm. and how they all interact or interlock. And they talk about core beliefs. Yes, um, the the idea of core beliefs that uh, many people are familiar with from c- different coaches comes from the cognitive uh, behavioral theory. 
And a core belief is this kind of belief about yourself that basically dictates how you think and act and the things you get in life. So uh, if you believe you have the thought or the belief that I'm not good enough, Mm. you will your feelings will be probably fear and anxiety because if you think that that would be very uncomfortable that you're not good enough and then your behavior will be dictated by that idea which means that if you don't feel you're good enough you might not take any action you might not you might not risk anything uh, or if you do risk something and some mistake happens you say it's because I'm not good enough. You don't. You really kind of blame yourself a lot, and so that inner narrative and that self-blaming, and so you see a lot of people think that they're not confident and they don't believe in themselves. And so, this work is really great to kind of understand their identity and and like kind of who, what what thoughts are like running their life, but not from a yeah. personality, but more from like just who they think they are, like the labels that we put on ourselves. Well, uh, you know, cognitive uh, behavioral uh, therapy especially is very prevalent now. Uh, most schools, that's what they focus on. Mm-hmm. So most of you guys who are thinking about going to a master's program or a PhD in psychology, that's probably what they're going to teach you. Most mm-hmm. 90% of the schools out there are teaching cognitive behavioral theory. And coach training too. Or, and some, yeah, some, some, form, coach some form or another. Um, and it's very prevalent because it's very practical. Mm -hmm. It's well-researched. There's a lot of good data that shows that, yeah, it works for anxiety disorders. It works for depression. It works for phobias really well, uh, some personality disorders. And so, uh, it's a good model for, uh, kind of quick fix Fixes that focuses on solving the problem, uh, reducing symptoms, and getting the client out the door. So it's it, when I was a hypnotherapist, I did a lot of that, like programming the mind to think more positive, and they had change in their life. I mean, it's very well researched that if you believe in yourself, you're going to create more in your life. If you then that when you don't, it's better to think positive than not think positive and have a positive self regard versus a negative. Um, I noticed that uh, just doing the work, people mm-hmm. uh, attracted different type of men in their life. Like that's how I started out doing like the love. And that's what my book Let Love In is about is if you think good about yourself and you don't think you're not good enough, you're going to meet people and your relationships are going to reflect that. So it, w- it was very helpful uh, to uh, get results. But again, it, it has kind of a short term gain because you're just kind of working on a symptom of a thought of, or in your life, but not really making a real transformation. You're just kind of working with, mm. um, like you said, like an information, you're processing information differently. Yeah, and in all fairness, uh, Aaron Beck, who's really one of the main uh, developers of cognitive behavioral therapy and, and uh, CBC as well, um, his aim was precisely that, to give people a quick way to deal with their problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't about transformation. Yeah. It, it wasn't like the Jungian ideal of self-actualization. Self, yeah. yeah. And, and real personal transformation. Uh, his, his task was, can we help people 
get over their depression and get over mm. their anxiety so they can go back to work. Mm -hmm. So in, the, in that sense, it works really well. And so people um, that do cognitive behavioral coaches and therapists, affirmations, vision boards, uh, putting that vision up there, visualization. Um, if that worked really well for hypnotherapy because you're just changing those negative thoughts to positive and you're learning like self-talk. You know, some people think mm -hmm. of self-talk instead of just reprogramming and just like watching your mind and watching your self-talk and improving that. A um, lot of basic, every personal development class you've probably ever been in talks about what's the conversation you're having with yourself. And, yeah. and, those are, and it's very powerful because I know for me, if I'm feeling something, I could switch my thinking and the results will change pretty quickly. You know, like uh, my day will change just by shifting my attitude. And, uh, but it's not going it, to, the mind is always so hard to tame. So it's something we have to manage all the time. And so if, if you're just relying on that information processor for life, it, 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 it can be a lot of work to keep that up. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention is this is not new. Yeah. Uh, in the West, we, you know, we like to take credit for stuff that mm has -hmm. been around for thousands of years. If you look at uh, some of the early buddhist text uh the buddha himself says and I, i'm going to slaughter the the <laughs> quote but uh something like this he says the untrained mind will hurt you more than your worst enemy mm. uh, because your thoughts create your life mm -hmm. essentially and if you don't work with them you're letting your mind kind of go on autopilot mm -hmm. on those automatic thoughts, those reactions to the environment, and most of the time it's a disaster. So we do think it's so important. Well, tell me about this whole cognitive revolution. Yeah, so in, in the West, the starting after people kind of were able to overthrow the tyranny of the behaviorist <laughs> who insisted on only measurable behavior and not looking at what's going on in the brain and the mind. Um, this this idea of, of the the mind being an information processing apparatus and really one of the most complex instruments that we know of. Mm -hmm. um, billions of neurons communicating with each other uh, processing information, visual sensory information, putting it all together into memory, uh, logic, reason, uh, and then directing it in certain ways. Incredible insight into how the mind works. Mm. It just revolutionized the way we thought about psychology, the mind, the brain. And there were very good and there are very good correlates as to, how the brain is processing this information is how we're creating this reality, mm. this sense of the world in ourselves. Mm. You can actually see it on the functional MRIs mm -hmm. where different parts of the brain are doing different things, mm -hmm. and it correlates with what people report, mm -hmm. right? If they're working on a math problem, certain parts of the brain will light up. Mm -hmm. If they're working on a word problem, et cetera, et cetera. Are you looking for a satisfying career that has meaning and purpose? Are you seeking a path of growth and wish you can have it all in one program? Well, our Jungian Life Coach program does just that. 
It gives you a new career as a certified life coach, as well as take you through our Jungian methodology to help you become your true self and make amazing transformation in your life and the lives of others. So visit jungianlifecoach.com, click on apply, and speak to an enrollment coach today where you can discuss your future, your dreams, and how to make it happen as a Jungian Life Coach. New classes begin soon, so sign up today. So very powerful, strong correlations with the nervous system, as well as social interaction, social learning. So neuropsychology, neuroscience, epigenetics, People talk a lot about this, uh, these um, these ideas, and um, so what? Do you, what is your take on? You know, we're always seeing people say that they're using epigenetics and neuro neuro and, and neuro nonsense or neuroscience to change the brain so you can make more money or so you can find love or so you can um, have better health. Like, what do you? What? Do, what is your take on that? As far as what we know about the brain right now and the research. Like I think some people take leaps into, well, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, the, what the what we know about the brain. Yeah, precisely. I mean, what we see out there is that um, um, this information leaks out through news stories, um, kind mm-hmm. of popular magazines mm-hmm. talk about. You know, we found the gene for a certain part of the uh, behavior. Like, mm-hmm. I remember back a few years ago the the gene for alcoholism. Yeah, that was the big thing. Uh, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, it, it's a lot more complicated. Genes have the, all these interactions with the environment and with each other, and mm. it, it's not a one uh, gene Fits thing. Fits all. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that controls everything. But uh, in general, yeah, what we see is a lot of people take very uh, kind of liberty with these news stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly neuroplasticity is a, is an important discovery of the cognitive revolution that the brain is very malleable and can adapt and is designed to be adaptive to the environment. Um, but the how much wi- can you control that? Yeah, exactly. Um, some people might claim, for example, okay, because of neuroplasticity, uh, our program is going to teach you how to make more money <laughs> or how to be a better person. It's not quite that precise. Neuroplasticity simply means that, yes, the the brain is able to adapt. And learn. And learn and change. And you're getting, you're experiencing neuroplasticity just listening to this video. It's Anytime you learn and you're experiencing something new, your brain is reorganizing itself. Mm -hmm. So it's always doing it. Yeah. So so it's not a lie that it's rewiring (laughs) itself, but that that somebody's able to rewire your brain or help you rewire your brain in a specific way i would say that's an over promising mm-hmm. uh, over promising something based on a kind of pseudo scientific because uh, people want that concept. quick fix they want yeah. the so um now i think we were talking earlier about this and i think that um one of the things i want to mention about this like the eastern philosophy of the mind uh brought cognitive the, the idea of the thoughts create your life. But now the cognitive revolution also, uh, if we think about the internet and the development of the internet, it's kind of like that network that's in our brain that makes associations is now becoming 
this huge collective experience we're all having now since the 90s, uh, when it started really becoming popular, the, the internet as kind of having home computers and being able to dial up with your AOL dial up, those of you who are old enough to remember that. And now we have social media. And so uh, a lot of the social media companies are using these cognitive theories to help you stay, get in patterns, get, react a certain way. And then the, um, the experience of that collective web uh, mm-hmm. that we're having is sort of like we made something that's like us, like that has all yeah. these connections. Yeah, you know, something happened, uh, something incredible happened when people started uh, creating computers. Uh, they noticed that uh, that's kind of how part of our brain works. Mm. You know, we, we process information very similar to the way computers process information. And then it computes and spits out the, mm. the, the answer, kind mm-hmm. of the results. Um, we noticed also when we tried to make robots, artificial intelligence, how complicated the mind brain is because, you know, we can do incredible stuff like pick up this glass to us. It's nothing. But if you try to get a machine to do that, you see that it's a lot of algebra. (laughs) It involves an incredible amount of processing uh, calculation, computing, mm. just to get uh, a machine to learn something very simple. So it kind of gave us some insight into how uh, how machines can learn, and we started creating these um, artificial intelligent machines. Now it's called machine learning, and artificial intelligence is about to hit the world big time. Well, it, it has already. It's impacted. Oh yeah, but nothing like uh, like it's going to be in in let's say five ten years. Terminator, <laughs> people have a. You no, know. I'm, I'm more optimistic okay. actually. I think it's like everything else. It's a balance. Mm-hmm. We're going to get some great stuff, mm-hmm. but also some problems, of course. So, how is this related to cognitive uh, theories? Yeah, so so cognitive theory then because it goes into the development of smart machines, mm-hmm. uh, it also goes into the development of uh, the algorithms uh, on the internet. Mm. So, and this works very similar to the way our brain works. Mm-hmm. So it, we know in our brains, we tend to notice things in the environment that match our expectations. Mm. So we're already kind of geared to perceiving the world the way we expect to perceive it. So, but going back to my earlier example of not good enough, if you feel not good enough, you're going to go online and you're maybe you're trying to start a business or you're trying to get ahead in life and you're going to see all the people that are doing better than you and you're going to be triggered by that experience or you're going to post something and no one likes it because it's not smart enough it's not good enough or you make a comment that you feel is smart and people tear you down (laughs) and it's like that kind of personal experience out there is just coming from you. We, we, we think it's just, oh, that's a mean person, or um, this thing keeps happening, the world is so terrible, but it's your perception that's actually connecting. And now social media, they have that all those uh, that research and how they know everything about you now, that you're really kind of, they're using that bias to feed you ads, feed you posts. Right, right. That. 
But it, but see, this this is where all the conspiracy theories come in that people think there's somebody manipulating that, but it's not that. It's simply that the way the mind works. That's the way our mind works, and so therefore we put it into everything we create. Mm-hmm. So the amplification of our mind through the construction of the internet, which is a worldwide nervous system, and it's an extension of us. It's not like a machine that we're we're separate from it's actually an expression of our consciousness yes but there, there's nobody pulling the levers and trying to manipulate you mm-hmm. it's simply that that's the way we think and therefore we create things that think like us mm-hmm. and the way we think again is that self-confirmation mm-hmm. bias that we tend to see repeatedly through the internet, the mm. things that we believe mm. that reinforce our beliefs. Mm-hmm. So, you, if you're not conscious of that, you feel like you're being manipulated. Mm. But it's your own mind, essentially. This is a fun example. Is I used to do a lot of love coaching, and I would watch the client who would say, "There aren't any good guys out there." Every time I go online, they're all losers. <laughs> These guys are, don't have any jobs they're this and that and we're always saying that's where you're that's your mind you're seeing and i think understanding that we're seeing a reflection we're seeing a reflection of our mind and i love that cognitive behavioral theory really made a you know that that leap from behaviorism to including the mind in the thinking to our experience in life is it was a huge leap and uh, we're still trying to catch up to it. I think a lot of people are still trying to catch up to the idea that their thoughts do have power and, and that they, not power like in the way they kind of make it seem like there's like energy going out there and it's pulling back. It's more that you're, you're, the way you're perceiving consciousness is almost like um, a filter of how you see what you see the outer world. Yeah, so... If we think in terms of coaching, then mm-hmm. how are these uh, this neuroscience? How is it going to impact coaching? Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to give us more information about the mind body mm-hmm. and how it works and mm-hmm. how we can help people through coaching instead of waiting for them to need therapy uh, when they're depressed or anxious. Everyone will have access to to this information mm-hmm. through coaching. Uh, as far as the computers are artificial intelligence. We might be able to create uh, machines that can counsel us, mm. can give us feedback as to how we're feeling. More like Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, how am I feeling today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, I mean, it's coming up and people are working on these things already. And then the Internet, the, the beautiful thing about the Internet is, yes, it, it creates a lot of problems because of the social disruption. But it also allows us to communicate with people different parts of the world mm. different distances that before was almost impossible mm-hmm. now we can coach people anywhere on the planet mm-hmm. from the comfort of our home and uh, and so let's talk about the the strengths and weaknesses of the mm. cognitive theory well one thing i think is a strength is that we it, it's easily adaptable in any any situation so i see people use it in therapy but they also see people use it in coaching it's something that's easily understandable oh your thoughts create mm-hmm. your life you don't have to do a lot of psychological study to understand that oh that's a simple thing it's very mechanical 
um, and uh, and easily to teach. So I think that's why it's so so like the main part of personal development. If you, everything you see is that because it is really basic information processing, and uh, and the fact. But the cool thing is that it doesn't have to stop there. We can incorporate other things, so it's adaptable. It really is like we talk about our program. We have a philosophy, uh, the Jungian psychology and the mindset. I see the cognitive more as the mindset. You know, the tip yeah. when people talk about mindset, very, very, you know, kind of what you're thinking, and then also on the surface, it's not really going into the unconscious. And and people are beginning to combine it with mindfulness, uh, meta consciousness, or meta awareness. Those kind of practices, which are very powerful, uh, and so it's a way of working with your mind mm. in a very practical way that almost anyone can learn. And it's quick. You you get you know it, you could see a shift happen immediately for a short term uh, with the program. Uh, with a cognitive behavioral system. Absolutely. Uh, and so you get that immediate payoff of, ooh, I feel like I'm getting different results. And, and you could turn things around pretty quickly, if some, especially like money or um, thinking about love or all these simple things we want in life, uh, changing our day and our attitude. We just shift our thinking, shift the way we're feeling, and you'll see the day play out differently. So uh, what are the shortcomings um, from um, your perspective? Well, I think... The, the main one for me is that I did it for years as a hypnotherapist, but I always felt like it wasn't enough. Though I didn't go, I wasn't really digging into the unconscious, like in a deep way. When I got into Jungian coaching, I really understood Jungian psychology goes into that deeper level. It uh, really is about making the ego better. Like it's on mm. that ego level personality, like I'm good enough, I am and so instead of I'm not good enough, I am good enough, but the I is still there. <laughs> it's you're still dealing with a non-spiritual aspect of yourself. It's not very spiritual. It's more how does this machine in my head function and, and move move through life? And, you know, there's, there, I mean, it, if that's what you want, if you're not spiritual and you, you don't want to know what your soul wants and what more creative uh, exploration of your, your life and consciousness Cognitive behavioral is perfect, but I think it just, if you are spiritual, it doesn't go deep enough. It doesn't really truly fulfill you. And so a lot of people that come to us, they'll say, oh yeah, I did a lot of personal growth. I've done so much work on myself, but I always call it rearranging the furniture. You're just making this I a little better, but what if the I isn't really you? It's this just false sense of you that you're just shining up. And that's kind of what it's more based on survival and getting through the day and getting some goodies in your life versus really asking yourself, what's tr my true meaning and spiritual? What about you? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I used to fall asleep in, in the cognitive behavioral <laughs> <laughs> piece <laughs> uh, because I have that, that bias that I, I'm more of a psychodynamic person. I, mm -hmm. I like to go deeper and explore more consciousness. Um, one one of the biggest failings that I saw is that it, it assumes human beings are rational. Mm. And we like to think of ourselves as rational beings. But in reality, if you look at how we make decisions and how we act towards each other... And Why are you world, looking at me? Uh, I'm not rational. Because you're... No. <laughs> you're right here. Uh, yeah, if you look at the way we interact socially and and especially in nature uh, we're not rational at all 
we make decisions based on primal conditioning or conditioned patterns uh, that the environment kind of shapes our behavior. Mm-hmm. And and when let's say when people believe they are their their brain their their information processing apparatus, then they, they're acting very uh, shallow in a sense because it's all about fitting in to the group mm-hmm. and how you're being perceived by others. So in, in other words, you're, are you suggesting that this model is helping you conform more to the social expectations of the world versus um, individuating? That's, that's right. And... So and you're building, I want to p- think positive so I can make money so then the society accepts me. Or I want to think positive so I can find love or get pregnant or, you know, um, g- get over my divorce so I look good, you know, to, to others and I'm acceptable. And I see myself as a worthful, worthwhile human being and, and uh, accepted by the group. Yeah, and then if we look at the let's say the the uh, the philosophy and and knowledge that comes from Vedic uh, um, consciousness studies and and understanding of awareness and consciousness, where the the model the cognitive behavioral model is only working on the uh, on the conceptual mind, mm. which is the ego, mm-hmm. which is this problem solving apparatus, very complicated, very refined by evolution. Uh, to work really well in survival, mm-hmm. but not, let's say it's not addressing imagination, creativity, uh, freedom, mm-hmm. all the things that really transcend that conceptual mind. Uh, it doesn't ask who am I on a soul level. Yeah. And um, for me, uh, I mean, as a hypnotherapist, I did some spiritual kind of work like their past life regressions and having them interact with their higher self but it wasn't really a system that i could really use to help them change it really came down to just think positive now and i use those as tools for them to kind of increase the positive thinking as having a deity or or an image for them to to hold on to and have hope and faith and those things are powerful but it doesn't help the person long term because they're just kind of on the surface. And I remember when I shifted to coaching and started working with you and doing young and coaching, I realized that this is a this is a for people that really love to explore their own self, uh, not just someone who's just looking for a quick fix. It's someone who wants to be more empowered in their life in every aspect of their life and want to um, really have more meaning in in in. It's not just about building up that ego so you can impress others, but it's about knowing on the deep level who you are so you don't need to impress others, that the only person you need to impress is yourself. And that's really where freedom happens because I think we're all conditioned. I mean, cognitive behavioral comes from the assumption that you're conditioned to think a certain way and act a certain way. And the thinking, changing your thinking will change that trajectory of the schemas, they call it, right? The patterns of being, the patterns of the way we see things. And so, um, but there's more than to us than just our patterns. We're not just our patterns. Yeah, so I would say overall, it's a very useful tool, especially when combined with uh, deeper processes like um, mindfulness mm-hmm. or um, meta, meta-consciousness, meta metacognition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just like in Buddhism, when it's combined with 
deeper inquiries into what is the nature of the mind and, mm. and consciousness, then cognitive behaviorism could be a very powerful uh, tool mm -hmm. to have in working with the mind. Mm -hmm. But in, in, in and of itself, uh, like that show we saw recently, in and of itself, mm -hmm. yes. um, it, it doesn't address the whole person the integral being that we are. And it also th sees the person as, uh, or the thoughts and the psyche as a fixed, like a robotic kind of image versus Jung saw the psyche as alive. And so uh, cognitive behavioral gives all the power to the conscious mind, you know, to direct your life. And in Jungian psychology, which is what we teach, uh, it helps, it, it kind of get you get deeper into the creative aspect of your deeper self that's actually working so it's more than just the thinking and the stories but this whole other realm of who you are and um and understanding that you're more than just that little social constructed persona and name and based on all the experience you had before uh you're much more you're, you're eternal you're an eternal soul and uh, with lots of access to wisdom and knowledge uh, that's right within you. Mm -hmm. And so uh, so we love the cognitive behavioral theory. It, it brought in the, the mind into <laughs> psychology and uh, got it out of just the pure behaviorism. Uh, but I, we also think that, you know, with every psychology, we need to keep, it's a science. And science doesn't mean that things are fixed and absolute. Science actually means that we're, it's a theory that we test out and then it improves over time. Mm -hmm. So as we started out in our world of understanding philosophy and psychology back in the, with the Greeks, <laughs> talking about why man does what he does, uh, what's written in the Bible and the early texts, the religious texts, is really trying to understand the human being and, and why we do bad things and how to do good things and what's the theory behind it. We evolve into modern psychology and then now modern psychology is it's only been around for less than 150 years, so we're really kind of still in the beginning stages of understanding these deeper levels of the psyche and uh, who we are as uh, divine beings. Very much so, and and the next uh, 20 years are going to be mind-blowing mm -hmm. because of artificial intelligence uh, and the combination of genetics and epigenetics and the internet, of course, mm -hmm. which is going to allow us to do all kinds of incredible things in coaching. Mm -hmm. So in closing, we love it, but it's not enough. I guess that would be our assessment of it. We, it's a great tool to know. Every coach should know this because even when you work on those deep levels, you need to kind of bring it to put the action <laughs> out in the world. How, do we, how does the client integrate that? And they integrate it through the mindset. They integrate it to shifting the, the thinking uh, that the deeper self is, is creating. And it's more than just the pattern of programs. It's really, um, here's a great way to see it is the cognitive behavioral doesn't change the person, just changes the thoughts. And psychodynamic theory and Jungian theory actually helps someone is not only changing what you think, but who the thinker is. Who, yeah. who, who yeah, you really are, right? Yeah. So the, the static thinker and just change the thoughts or the, the person becoming uh, someone. And I think that is a deeper way because if you think about it, if you're, 
and thinking on the ego level and having to reprogram yourself, that's exhausting. But what if you just start stop believing you were that person <laughs> that thinks that way? And how would I think if I knew that I was immortal and I was uh, powerful and I was um, embodying these other aspects of myself in deeper ways? We, we wouldn't have to train our mind. It would just automatically shift. Um, so we're kind of going to the root versus just working on trimming the trees on the, the surface. Well Good said. metaphor? Good metaphor. Right. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, next week, we I believe we're going to talk about Jungian psychology so and coaching. So we're going to go deeper into that. We hope you enjoyed this wonderful broadcast, and we'll see you next week. Stay well. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.